Well, that's happening. <laughs> Cliff and Angie are pointing at each other. Okay, well, <laughs> fair enough. But here's the thing. At that moment, you're distracted, right? You're not fully present with the person. We could take it even farther, right? We've all probably been at a, a restaurant or a table, and, and somebody's got their cell phone, right? And their eyes just seem to be fixed on the screen. From every bump, every sound, every vibration, they are transfixed on that phone. And even though they don't realize it, they're communicating, I don't have, have time to give you my full undivided attention. Again, someone is distracted. They're not present. They're not listening. And it's not building the relationship. I'm not here to throw anyone under the bus for those things. It's just things that we need to keep track of, I think, in our relationships, right? But today we're going to be in Luke 10, and we see Jesus, as he comes to be guests of two sisters, and experiences their hospitality. And in the midst of this party, this dinner party, what have you, there's conflict between the two sisters. And one of the sisters asks Jesus to intervene. In truth, she kind of asks him to take her side. And what happens is Jesus graciously but forthrightly expresses to her that her own efforts at showing hospitality to Jesus actually become a distraction from her being present with Jesus. To them building relationships. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at what happens there and then look at our own lives and the things that we're doing sometimes that distract us from building our relationship and, and following Him. So if you have your Bibles, we're again, as I said, we're in Luke 10. This is the end of the chapter. And it's probably a familiar passage for many of you, but we're going to pick it up at verse 38. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha. Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into this little episode. Lord, indeed, we want to be present with you here today. So would you open up our eyes to what you have for us in your word. Take away the distractions that might be uh, working in our hearts and our minds. Help us to be fully present and do your work in us. Draw someone to yourself today, we pray, Lord Jesus. It's in your name I pray these things. Amen. Here's what I want you to know today. Here's what I want you to take home. I'm going to tell you at the beginning here. Pursuing Jesus' presence is the pathway 
to follow him fully. I'm going to say it again. Pursuing Jesus' presence is the pathway to following him fully. By the way, Mary and Martha is a family we meet also in the Gospel of John. There's actually a brother, Lazarus, who Jesus raises from the dead. We, we see that in John chapter 11 and chapter 12. Lazarus isn't included in this episode, partly because he, he just wasn't involved in the conflict. So economy of writing, uh, Luke doesn't include him. But for a brief moment, imagine what this, what's happening here. You see, Jesus of Nazareth, the man who's been proclaiming the kingdom of God, the man who you, you believe is probably the Messiah, is coming to your house. You've heard about him, the power of his message, how he's set people free from sin, disease, demon possession. And again, you're convinced that he is the Messiah. What are you going to do when he comes to dinner? How are you going to go about this? Now, I, I will say this. In light of what Jesus has already said about receiving him and his disciples, this is a very positive thing, what Mary and Martha have done. Earlier, you know, Jesus has sent out the 72. He'd sent out the, the 12 earlier. And this is kind of the uh, negative flip side of this. But Jesus says in verse eight sixteen, Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. In receiving Jesus in hospitality, they're receiving Jesus in his whole ministry, his whole message. That's what's going on here. And it's not just Jesus, it's his disciples. But remember again that Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God. Not necessarily a physical manifestation. That kingdom is at work in the lives and the hearts of men and women. And he's looking to accomplish much more than just getting a place to stay for him and his disciples and a meal. He's looking to bring the kingdom of God to actually his two hostesses and help them to see that today. So let's start with the first character, Martha. She's the what I call the alpha female in this story. She's kind of a take charge kind of woman. I mean, she's mentioned first. She's mentioned first here, and she runs a household. She is a woman of action. That's how she's wired. That's who she is. And again, Jesus the Messiah is coming to dinner, and she's going to take care of it. She's going to take care of Jesus and his disciples. Man, has she got plans. I mean, she's going to bake the best fresh-baked bread. There's going to be a roast lamb there. She's going to bust out Aunt Esther's old matzo ball soup. You know, date and, and raisin chutney, the best wine, the best uh, glasses and, and, and uh, plates. This is not going to be no ordinary meal. Uh, dare I say that Martha loved Jesus and had a wonderful plan for the meal. Okay? Besides that, there are cultural expectations, too. When a, a great man, a great visitor comes, 
You pull out all the stops. It's, it's part of, of uh, ministry and hospitality. They came into your house and you had the responsibility to take care of them. So there's, a, there's you know, cultural expectations too, how you treat a great man. So you have these two things going on. Martha's wiring and cultural expectations, right? And again, these expectations are not a bad thing. In fact, I think we could probably learn from them as far as our own hospitality in the 21st century. But as this meal is unfolding, a tension arises, right? Because Sister Mary is not helping. She's sitting there at Jesus' feet, just listening to him. Can't she see that the, the breads of basket are getting empty? Can't she see that the, the cups are getting dry? What is her problem? Martha is very capable, but she can't do it all. And so it says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been made. You know, folks, I'll bet there are many of you who relate well to Martha here in this story. You're very capable, you're very competent, you're a person of action. It's how you're wired. You're kind of a get-her-done kind of person. In fact, when it comes to following Jesus, hey, less talk, more action. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the flaw, again, for Mary. She's following Jesus according to the expectations of her culture. And number two, she's following Jesus according to the dictates of her conscience. That is, how she is wired, her personality makeup. In other words, she's getting her marching orders for how she follows Jesus by the society around her and her own instincts and her own proclivities. And seeing that this is not falling into place how she planned, it makes her irritated. And she decides she needs to let Jesus know. Because he's not being sensitive to what's happening. And she says in the second half of verse 40, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. What's interesting about that statement is she starts out by calling him Lord and then tells him what to do. Just an observation. But in truth, Martha's plans for hospitality actually had become a distraction for connecting with Jesus. She was so busy serving, so busy bringing out the next course, if you will, that she wasn't present with Jesus. It was all about just getting the meal out there. Mary, by contrast, as we've seen, she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. Now sitting at a rabbi's feet in that day and age was a position of discipleship. I want to receive what you have for me. She was drinking in all that Jesus had to say. And let me say, culturally, this is quite unique because Jesus is the rabbi who lets others sit at his feet who other rabbis will not let sit at their feet. Other rabbis won't let Gentiles sit at their feet. And yet Jesus goes out to the other side of the, of the Galilee. 
And he heals the gathering demoniac and then he is sitting at Jesus' feet. Later on in this gospel, Jesus is going to heal ten lepers. And one of them is a Samaritan, a half-breed. There's cultural conflict between Jews and the Gentiles as we talked about last week. And yet, he is welcome at the feet of Jesus. And heaven forbid, women. Women at the feet of a rabbi. Jesus allows women to sit at his feet. Here with Mary and also earlier as we saw in chapter 8 verses 2 and 3 where women are allowed to support Jesus' ministry. Women are allowed. See, none are unwelcome at the feet of Jesus. And by the way, Jesus has had tremendous impact on the, how we view the dignity of women in Western civilization. But back to the main point here. Mary has access to God's Messiah, the one who brings the kingdom of God. And she wants to be present. She wants to drink it in. She wants to hear, how is it, Jesus, that you would have me follow you? Hear his heart. Know him. I don't have to ask someone else because he's right here. He's present with me. And Jesus applauds this. He kind of goes a backdoor way of doing it, but he, he graciously addresses it with Martha. Again, he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. I want you to notice something right there. Jesus is very gracious and very kind. He doesn't blast her. In fact, I, as he repeats her name, I think he says it very tenderly, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. He's not rebuking her for her efforts to to make Jesus feel welcome. But he is bringing clarification, gentle clarification. Verse 42. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Look, Martha, I I know you're concerned that the meal's hot. I'm not. I'm not. Something that's more important than is happening here. And I need you to see it. I need you to recognize it. You're with me. You're with me. And I desire your presence with me. More than I desire your service. And he says of Mary, Mary has chosen what is better and only not be taken away from her. Again, I'm going to say it again. Pursuing Jesus' presence is the pathway to following Him. Now, you know, folks, it's easy to throw Mary under the bus to see how insensitive that she was. But I'm going to, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go over to, to John. And this is what the Scripture says about Martha and Mary. John chapter 11, verse 5. Now Jesus loved. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved this family. He had a special connection with them. Actually, if you read in in, uh, John 11 and 12. But here's the thing. If you've been following this in in the gospel, Jesus is heading somewhere. He's heading 
to the cross. He's left his ministry in the Galilee. He's heading through Judea. He's heading to Jerusalem. And he is heading to the cross. He knows his days are numbered. And this family, these people, Martha, is very dear to him. And he wants her to stop serving and just be present. Just be there. Just be present for me. My wife, Carrie, her mother uh, had contracted soft tissue sarcoma, a cancer. And we knew that it was terminal. And so Carrie went up to be with her mom. And Carrie just shares you know, the story, you know, what do you do in those last moments, in those last few days, weeks, to be present, right, and engage. And Carrie just found herself trying to help out her mom by cleaning up, you know, clean up mom's bedroom, her kitchen. And there's a moment where Martha, her name is Martha, said, Carrie, stop. Just come down and sit with me and be with me. You know, I think that's a, a great relationship lesson we can learn. I think it's a great relationship lesson we can learn with Jesus. He really desires our presence. He really does. Many of you are familiar with maybe Revelation 3.20. Jesus speaking to his, his church, his people. People who have kind of lost their focus. They've lost their first love. And he says to them, Look, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in to him. I will come into her and dine with her, him and, and she with me. I want to be present with you. You know, oftentimes we use that to, to share the gospel with people. I guess it's not wrong, but ultimately Jesus is talking to his people. I, I want to come in and be with you. Be present with me. I allowed myself to go somewhere emotionally this, this Friday. The snow came down. You know, the floor was covered. And uh, I'm driving my daughters to school. And normally I, I can't do this, but this time I did. I allowed myself to emotionally think about Christmas. Usually I can't do that until after Thanksgiving. But I said, you know, it just feels like it. And the anticipation of remembering that Jesus came for us. And God sent His Son. And I like the other stuff too. And my daughter Maddie turned on the, a station that's playing Christmas music already. That's crazy. But I allowed myself to go there. And you know what I, I really actually thought about? I love Christmas because I try and take time, and I hope you do too, just to get along with God and to think and contemplate what it meant for Jesus to come after me. And it might mean I just turn on some Christmas music. I actually like listening to Handel's Messiah. I'm not a highbrow guy, but I mean, I do that. And think about what it meant 
and get alone with God. And those are rich times. I hope sometime during this holiday season you can stop and be present with Jesus. Because He wants you. He wants your, your present to Him is your presence. It really is. But there's a more pragmatic lesson here. I, I talked about, you know, pra, you know, pursuing the presence of Jesus as the pathway to, to fully following Him. Here's the bigger lesson. And it's very pragmatic. It really is. This is not a comparison between the people who are just naturally contemplative and the people that are, are naturally, you know, action people. This isn't saying the contemplative people have a, a leg up over the action folks. That's not what this lesson is. In fact, it's some of the contemplative people sometimes need a kick in the pants to get going, right? You need to be living out your faith. But those of us who are prone to action need to ask the question, where am I getting my marching orders from in following Jesus? And back to this story, right? Am I getting them from the culture around me? Am I even getting them from the community around me? Am I getting it from the dictates of my own conscience, how I'm wired? Or am I getting them from pursuing His company or pursuing His presence? You know, we got three P's over here. Pursuing God, preparing people, proclaiming Christ. We're talking about number one today. Pursuing God. How are you doing in pursuing God? You see, if, if I take my marching orders from my, my community or society, the world's view of Jesus, they love that Jesus is love. But then they take love and they twist it somehow to mean completely void of truth. Or they somehow do something kind of messed up with sex and, and God's gift there. And even in our community, even in our faith community, you know what, we're trying to make a better effort as a church to make the good news of Jesus Christ known, right? And as you engage people, that's a great, that's a great goal. That's a great mandate, if you will. But you know what? As you're talking to people, you need to listen along the way. You can't just run into Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and just run roughshod over what's going on in your life. We need to listen. Are we getting a, a mandate? Are we so connected with Jesus that we're sensitive to what's going on? Or are we just kind of operating on the prime directive like Star Trek people, right? Also, just our own consciousness. You know, what would your faith be like it was completely based on how you're wired and what your strengths are. What would your faith look like? What would a church service look like? If it were me, we'd spend like 45 minutes just worship singing over and over again. Some people go, come on, enough now. That's how I'm wired, though. And that's the, that's the beauty of the body. There's diversity, right? And a lot of details would probably fall to the ground because I'm not a detail kind of guy. But the question is, are we following Jesus according to how we're wired our own mandates and actually telling Jesus how he should respond or am I allowing him to be the Lord, if you will? 
pursuing His company, His presence. And here's the truth, folks. We all know it. We, if you're a follower of Jesus, you already probably know this intellectually. Because Jesus lives in you, you already have His presence there already. His Holy Spirit dwells within you. We have His Word. We have His Holy Spirit. We have prayer. But we get distracted. And we need to focus back in. Why do we want to go any other place than Jesus himself to get our marching orders? He really does want to speak to you and to me about the things that concern our heart. Whether it is being in his word, in prayer. And look, folks, I'm not here to heap guilt on anybody. As far as you need to read longer, pray longer, what have you. But I, I do want to ask, are there moments in your day where you take to be present with Jesus? You need to. You need to. You're not going to live the life that Jesus wants you to live unless you get alone with Him and are present with Him. And it's going to come, again, from being in His Word. It's going to come from being in prayer. It's going to come even being with his people. Sometimes God speaks through his people. And sometimes it's just being there in a place where you're starting to see him and reflect him differently than you normally would, right? Let's just go back to this story here. It just seems, you know, from our perspective, it could just seem like Martha is kind of tone deaf emotionally. It'd be easy for us to rebuke her. But notice how Jesus just gently says, Martha, Martha, you're distracted, you're concerned about some things. He's very gracious, very gentle. If we could catch that and be like Jesus. See, being in his presence oftentimes mean that we, means that we reflect him to the world around us. Jesus really does de desire to be in our presence and for us to be in his presence. A principle that goes over and over in the scriptures. John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about he's getting ready to leave and he says, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Pursuing Jesus' presence is the pathway to following him fully. Now, I don't know everybody in this room, and I don't know where everybody is at. And you may be here just kind of going, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. I'm interested in finding out more about Jesus, but, you know, how do I have a relationship with him? I, I, I want to tell you this, and I want to tell you this probably based on this this message your relationship with him is not going to be based on what you can do for him it's not going to be based on what you can do for him in fact it's really based on what he has done for you already in living a life he, we couldn't live dying and paying a debt we couldn't pay and rising from the dead to conquer a foe we couldn't conquer it's what he's done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. 
But he is calling you into relationship with him. And that relationship is through faith. The Apostle Paul comments on this in his letter to the Romans in chapter 10. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. If you're searching, Jesus wants to meet you with what he has done in order that he might bring you into a relationship with him, right relationship, that you might enjoy his presence. So I'm going to say it one more time. Pursuing Jesus' presence is the pathway to following him fully. Our challenge is not to get distracted. Distracted by the world around us, sometimes distracted by our own wiring, but to be with him, to be present with him, and let him give us our marching orders how to follow him. I pray that the Lord will give us grace to practice that. Let me pray for us, and then I'll have Alex and the worship team come up and close us here. So Lord, this is just a a small story in your word. And yet it's here for us that we might know how to be present with you. Would you give us grace? Would you give us self-awareness in those moments where we start to realize we're being distracted and we need to come into your presence and hear from you to sit at your feet once again through your word, through prayer, through listening to your your saints and your people. But Lord Jesus, you have the words of life. There's no other place to go. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And would you help us Lord, to enjoy and treasure your presence. It's in your precious name I pray these things. Amen.